Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you, and I'm going to give you a little preview of what is coming up. Um, By the way, hopefully you had a great 4th of July. I neglected to mention that to you podcast peeps. Um, But anyway, later on for our inbox, we have a guy who wants to work at a nonprofit, but he is having trouble making that happen. So he's wondering, should he just step out? try to work there or keep his current job, which is obviously a sure thing. Well, our HR friend, Marshanda Dixon, is going to give him some advice. And then for our culture segment, Deborah Faleda is here to discuss how to navigate through the different seasons of a relationship. And this actually may be a little different than you might think. So you're going to have to listen in to uh, figure out all the stages, whether you're single, dating or engaged, you are going to benefit from this. Well, here we are for our roundtable, and we figured, you know, we've kind of a couple weeks ago kicked off summer, even though I like to say summer really starts somewhere in May or literally when it stops snowing here in Colorado, which we never know when that is. But we thought it would be fun to talk about vacation and traveling on vacation and specifically ways to save money doing vacations. And so... I have already bragged here prior to taping that I am the cheapest person out there when it comes to vacationing. Now, cheap in some ways. I'm not just super cheap in everything. But I also brought three of my friends, Scott, Brian, and Christine, to weigh in with their ideas. So, hey, y'all. Hey. Hey. Thanks for having us. Good to have you here. Okay. So, I want to kind of start this conversation because, of course, we can all just talk about generally being cheap. (laughs) Some people don't (laughs) even like to be cheap on vacation. They're just like, here's my credit card, and let's just see what happens. But I actually wanted to start this by asking, when you vacation, what are your priorities? Because I think everyone has stuff that are like the absolutes, and then they have things that they're willing to cut corners on and give up. So I will, while you're thinking, I will say that to me, mine are time and experiences. So I would rather go on a cheaper vacation for a longer period of time than go somewhere for two days and blow out a bunch of cash and Mm. just have it be super awesome, okay? I would rather skimp and have more time to spend somewhere. Likewise, um, I am someone who, in fact, I'm going on a vacation with a friend coming up and um, it happens to be, you know, a place people are like saying, oh, have you tried XYZ restaurant there and whatever? And I'm like, nope, don't care. So to, for me to go to a place where you're going to drop $300, $400 on some exclusive dining experience, I will go uh, grab a sandwich somewhere and then go do something else and spend it on an experience or some kind of like one of a kind type thing or whatever. So how about you guys? What would you say when you kind of put what your priorities are? What are they? I would agree with you on experience, mm-hmm. um, finding the best way to experience a city or a location um, and not blow the, the budget. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. And then also, since it's usually when I travel, it's with my mom. Um, it's two women. So safety as well. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point there. I would challenge you on that food premise that you made earlier. Oh, you can fight spending, me. If you spending, want to fight me, we're going to do it right here. Spending $300 on a dinner <laughs> oh, no. as not an experience? <laughs> oh, okay. I I would I would challenge that. Because okay. sometimes, I mean, the the quality of food you get sometimes, oh my goodness, is amazing. And if it's part of your vacation and in your budget, I would almost challenge you to take an opportunity to say, "Okay, you know, maybe I can drop a little money here because the 
where the restaurant might be is somewhere where you may never be able to go back to. Yeah, that is true. Now that you say that, because again, when it comes to restaurants, and again, I'm not a super great judge of food quality, though I know what I like and I don't like, but ambiance is very important to me. So if it's somewhere where you're going to pay because you're going to be sitting like looking at Mount Kilimanjaro or... You know, in the States, I don't know what, what we would say. But yeah, I I would say that could be kind of fun. And that's a little bit of an upgrade to make that happen. But, you know, but I'm going to sit there with a some plate of minuscule food that has a sprig of some obscure herb on it from <laughs> one, some other country. One bite. Yeah, that's not going to happen on my nope. vacation. I'm like Lisa, exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend $300 on any meal probably any time. Yeah. I'd rather have other experiences. Uh, if that's your experience, fine. But that's not a little bit of money to me for a meal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, Bigger makes... experiences, that's what vacations are about for okay. me, experiencing something new, seeing something new. And a, there's a lot of things you can do for free. Yeah. I mean, you can oh, enjoy yeah. a lot of nature incredible things for free national parks or museums and things like that. It's more about that kind of stuff for me. Good. So to that point, let's start off by talking about before you travel. So stuff on Mm. the front end that you can save money on. So where do you go? Where are the best searches? How are you finding? I mean, whether we're talking flights or driving or tours or experiences, how do you save money on the front end? What's your first go-to when you're planning a trip? I read a guidebook one time, one time that said, if you want an A-plus experience, you need to be an A-plus student. So I put a lot of front work into my vacations, trying to figure out what type of experiences we can have in a place, mm-hmm. um, how much it costs. And, and if you really put your time and in, in invest into trying to find out what's in a city, you can actually find, you know, the, there's free experiences around all the time. Like um, even in your own city, you might find museums that you've never seen before um, that are free yeah. or that are low cost. Also, a lot of like national parks and stuff have like free entrance days that you can enjoy. So if you do your homework and try and figure out where you want to go and what um, options are available to you, you can find some really good deals. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I totally do that. I research ahead of time and uh, read what other travelers' experiences have been, picked up some great tips mm-hmm. on a trip to Hawaii that way, and mm-hmm. just found some great shortcuts to, you know, even where do, where you park a rental car, mm-hmm. where you can park the car, mm-hmm. and things like that. Just come out with some great tips from other people. And the homework on the front end is huge, because I'll invest hours and hours of researching, laying it out, putting a folder together, because mm-hmm. I like hard copies with me in a folder mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, from everything from the rental car to the plane to hotel to restaurants in the area so that I don't waste my time on the trip trying to find those things. Yeah. You know, and I like to plan out a lot of things, but then leave open time, too. It's not all scheduled. Mm-hmm. And I like to prepay, pay ahead of time as much as I can. Like prepay the rental car, mm-hmm. you know, of course, your airline tickets, if you're flying, those are essentially yep. prepaid, but get a lot of those expenses out of the way before your vacation. So when you're coming home, you know, if you are using your credit card, sometimes you're not feeling like you're paying it off forever. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you're kind of, uh, kind of preparing yourself, yep. um, but I go to like maybe Costco.com, Expedia.com, you know, look at mm-hmm. a bunch of those travel sites and find who's got the cheapest at whatever I'm looking for. And then I'll actually go to that actual website and buy it straight from there. I don't know if Expedia likes that. I don't know if Costco <laughs> likes that, but uh-huh. hey, it's a tool to use. 
That's yep. good. Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are great ideas. Um, it's funny because when I think of that, I also, you know, I know that Priceline does this. I'm not sure if any of the other big sites do this at this point, but kind of the name your own price or where, like if you're willing to be a risk taker mm-hmm. and I am to save a buck, I have no problem, especially if I'm on an open-ended itinerary right. or where I know I can plan certain days or whatever. Uh, I will I will do that vagary of I don't know what hotel I'm going to get, but I know I'm going to get it for sixty dollars a night. Which yeah. is just, and then it's like, but you you can sort by like number of stars. You're not going to get something right. just really ghastly, you know. You you kind of choose what level you're willing to do. I would also suggest um, for me, I've noticed that doing packages um, and not packages like where they're just schnookering you into all this stupid stuff you don't need, but like um, travel zoo or Groupon that have, this is very good for people that think they will never be able to see like somewhere internationally or somewhere, you know, outside of like their state. Uh, You go on one of those places and you're going to find, I just saw a deal for like $399 for like six nights in Costa Rica, including air. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is like any of you young adults can save for that to do that kind of vacation. And it's an awesome experience. You just have to be willing to like let them craft it for you again. So, you know, that's a great thing. And again, um, you know, some of those other things where they're just going to throw, they've kind of worked out the deals for you and they're going to try to sell it to you as a, as a package. I like doing those. Um, Okay. So are there situations where you would say we kind of talked about this a little bit at the beginning but let's get a little more specific what are you willing to spend a little bit more on on a vacation like where you know again and and you can juxtapose that against what are you really willing to scrimp on um but then what do you what do you spend money on christine i know you are like a you're a disney expert Mm -hmm. you've gone to disney at least 17 times this year alone and so (laughs) i'm exaggerating a little bit but you know it's funny because people get they they do get kind of their thing their groove um bk brian you i always call him bk you too are a disney expert we kind of all have kind of like our things but Mm -hmm. talk to me about what Mm -hmm. you know when you make that kind of experience what's absolutely at the top of the list for you um, you definitely have to decide what your budget is and mm-hmm. try and stick within it. When you go to some place like Disney, they do have the top of the line, blow out your budget type yeah. of hotels and options experiences. But they also have value resorts that you can choose or you can choose to stay you know, outside of the Disney bubble and stay at a hotel that's a little bit cheaper there in Orlando mm-hmm. um, or even try and find an Airbnb. So you really have to um, explore your options. Um, I find that it's really helpful to find groups out on social media like Facebook or Instagram or different places where you can find people who are sharing their tips because people travel there a lot and there are people who are willing to share their knowledge on where they find the best deals. Um, I know some people will actually try and save ahead by saving for gift cards. So they buy gift cards throughout the year when they're on sale at Target or different places and then use those gift cards to to pay for their vacations later. Mm-hmm. When you have that 5% off of your gift card, it can you know pay off in the end. So mm-hmm. um, that's something that I probably would never have thought of. But being in these different social media circles, you can you can find out different ways that people save their money. Yeah, that is good. And that brings to mind for me the whole idea of like, loyalty programs and matching statuses with things which i am like a ninja at okay so did you know (laughs) that 
Royal Caribbean Cruises and Southwest Airlines and MGM Hotels and all of these status match and they're all in partnerships and they all will just give you credit for stuff that you've done with those other companies. And so I do that like a nut. Okay, so I, in fact, I will say, um, here's a great example, because of all my status matching and loyalty points and using points somewhere here, whatever, I just recently did a hotel stay where for three nights in a relatively upscale hotel, my bill ended up being 96 cents. So (laughs) yeah, I'm not even joking. So again, it's just kind of utilizing those points and finding out, okay, what are you going to give me? I'm XYZ member and I've, you know, done use this many points before and stuff. And you just have to figure out, you know, and be willing to just carry those cards and be that person who's going to be that. (laughs) And, you know, you don't want to do it where it's like half of your life is taken up tracking statuses and cards and points and stuff like that that can be annoying but when it works for you and especially if you can stay loyal to a particular hotel brand or a particular airline or whatever you're going to really see a lot of benefits but so your question was about where would i splurge yeah it might be on a big sporting event oh okay um something i haven't experienced before or um broadway Mm -hmm. you know maybe some Broadway shows that would be for me, that would be a little bit outside of the box to do a big event, sporting events, not so much, but you know, visiting a different baseball stadium or seeing an NBA game or a NFL game or something like that. Yeah. That like literally blazes me away when I see what people will pay. I mean, whether it's a sporting event or a, a band or whatever, like concert tickets and stuff. I'm like, I know someone that just paid $750 for this ticket. I'm like, my goodness, that's like some people's, you know, rent or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's wild. Okay. Well, and the reason I challenged you on that food topic earlier is because for us, when we travel, we like to make sure at least we have a, like a fridge and a microwave mm-hmm. in our hotel room. Cause typically for breakfast and lunch. So breakfast, we usually eat in the room lunch, we'll usually pack something to bring with us. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of our our easy meals. And then many times on dinner. And then he buys a $300. Well, we'll splurge splurge on a dinner, you know, and if you're, and we ate out of this mini fridge for four days. (laughs) And now it's time to eat nice. So that's typically what we do. Or, you know, you can go through uh, Amazon Prime now and pre-order your groceries and actually have them delivered. So they're waiting for you there. At the wow, hotel or wherever idea. you're staying. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you got to make sure that it's available in that area. But again, it's a it's a time saver mm-hmm. for you, so mm-hmm. you're not having to stop at the grocery store. Yeah, even thinking of that, that that was interesting when you talked about transportation, and I know you referenced rental cars before. Mm-hmm. And this is very easy for those of us who are single. Like, say you're going to go on a vacation, and you're going to go with several friends, and you know you're not dealing with like your parent you know the parents out there who are your counterparts with like car seats and all this other stuff (laughs) to decide how much driving you're going to have to do if you're going to go to a city like say you're going to new york city and ultimately you're going to be on the subway or you're going to be walking a lot when you need to make that initial (laughs) trip or anything that's drivable share an uber i mean split it between all of you you don't Mm -hmm. need to get into expensive rental cars you don't need to be you know look at public transportation once you get there that's a good point figure Mm -hmm. out how to make that happen because i think some people like they get these rental cars and then they just sit in parking lots of their hotel the whole time and they're like oh i guess we didn't need that and then you're paying them for parking yeah yeah i I might spend resort fees i might spend up to two hours just researching public transportation in a city yep if it's a city destination and then learn how it works, find out the routes and then 
buy tickets or whatever I need to do mm-hmm. in advance, have those maps all mapped out so that I don't spend a half hour standing in front of a map in a city and asking people, how does this work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And what we've done in the past when we've had a group, like you mentioned, a group of friends traveling, we'll have one person designated as the person who pays for the group like the group rental car, or if, if the whole group is doing something, going to a ball game, mm-hmm. the whoever's the group liaison pays for that. And uh, that way, at the end of the trip, it makes it easier to split it up, you know, four, five, two, three ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way, you're not trying to figure out after the trip is over, okay, I put this group activity on my card, you put this one on your card, you know, and trying to figure just just put it on one card and just be done with it and mm-hmm. split it at the end. Oh, that's cool. Okay, think in the back of your head, because we only have a few minutes left. So I want you to finish by saying just one stellar vacation you went on. One, because it was just awesome. And two, because you felt like you just budgeted the, you know. The you know what. (laughs) The the you know what out of it. And you felt so proud of yourself for doing so. But before we get to that, any other just, you know, down and dirty tricks, tips that we didn't get to that you'd want to share? It's not dirty, but I've got another one. <laughs> okay. See, when, when I was we'll growing up, on a, my dad was a pastor. Mm. And so family vacations very often were by car. Yeah. We, never, we never flew to a vacation. Right. Me and too. Uh, so we would have road trips and we would be visiting friends all along the way across the country. Yeah. These are close friends, missionaries, pastors, what have you. And so then they were our host to show us different areas. So you don't have to do all the research to know exactly yeah. what you're going to do because they knew things to do. Yeah. And so that's, you know, seeing friends. Yeah. You know, uh, being able to visit friends that you know at different parts of the country, which is even more common now. Well, and to that point, Scott, um, hello, they also serve as hotels. Um, <laughs> so well, yeah. If you're, mm-hmm. if that, you, that's mean, a given. Don't underestimate the power of hanging out with friends and friends who want to see you and are willing to let you crash at their place if you're making a road trip or maybe you want to just spend a few days with friends like from college or whatever and just reconnect and whatever and it's not like you're just using them I mean if you if you haven't talked to them in like 15 years like maybe don't just be like (laughs) maybe you're using all of a sudden I'm interested in reacquainting myself with you because you live on the beach but no no, but I mean yeah I mean it really is a great opportunity friends and family to stay with them wherever you're going Mm -hmm. yeah exactly that's Mm -hmm. awesome yeah You know, and going back to kind of the rental car or the airplane thing, sometimes if we prepay on a rental car, I'll go back every couple of days and see if that car has actually uh, gotten cheaper. Yes. And then I can rebook it. Now I don't get that money back, but I'll probably need a rental car in the future. Mm -hmm. So they'll just hold on to that. And the next time I need the rental car or even the airplane tickets as well, we'll do the same thing. That reminds me of another tip when you're searching for a rental car and you do that search, but you don't click you know, buy now, mm-hmm. you'll be getting emails for the next week or two yeah. for that same destination. Right. And you, so th- you'll automatically get... <laughs> so you've got uh, that cookie some, now in your computer. That's right. That they start <laughs> you'll get some, on. you know, bargain uh, prices well, sometimes Yeah, and that sometimes way. when they see that you've been searching, they'll come at you with a lower price. So they'll right. be like, mm-hmm. okay, oh, yep. it's just been lowered, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, we had a trip once where we booked everything through Costco. Uh-huh. And... If you booked everything through Costco, then Costco gave you a gift card. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. then we would use that gift card for, you know, Christmas presents. Or yeah, I think we, we ended up buying a new laptop computer. Ours was like 12 years old or something and dying. So, yeah. but I mean, you can Or 12-pound tubs of yeah. mixed nuts. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things you can get exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. 
going back to experiences, one thing that I just thought of is uh, when you're going to a city, a lot of times they have what's called a city pass, mm-hmm. and it's a discount that'll get you into all the major sites for a discounted amount. So That's you might cool. have several different museums or different things that you want to see in that city. That might be a good way to get in without having to pay full admission at each place. Yeah. And that even harkens back to what you said at the beginning about all the places that are even free in a city, you know, mm-hmm. or those days, like there are a couple days a year, usually where the national parks have free admission or they're, you know, and plan around those mm-hmm. times. That's mm-hmm. a great opportunity to be part of that. I would say my just kind of in a parting tip, it's kind of an overarching tip, but like people will say, oh, I want to do this kind of vacation. So say they want to do a beach vacation rather than saying, so as a result, I need to go to like the Maldives or I need to go to Hawaii or I need to go, which are more expensive trips, say to yourself, okay, maybe like for, you know, as an example, and Christina and I have done this, you might want to book a cheap cruise and that's going to get you to a beach. Mm -hmm. They are always cheaper than booking a hotel separately and doing your meals or getting a condo or a timeshare or whatever. Or if you want to go cheaper than that, then you pick a a beach destination here in the States. So you say, I'm going to drive to Florida. You, you know, hello, because we're talking to young adults here. You book a hotel that is like four or five blocks away from the beach instead of beachfront. You're going to get it at about half the price and you just walk yourself to the beach and spend the day there. Mm -hmm. And you can do it very cheaply uh, doing it that way. Or like your producer, you could just go real big and drive out to eastern Kansas yes. and, and see what that <laughs> well, looks like because you've never been there. There's There are so many things in Kansas that have been untapped and uh, <laughs> we should have, John. Our western producer, Kansas, western Kansas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's even western, more exciting. That's yeah. even, yeah, there we go. Awesome. So, okay. Do you guys have, uh, just quickly here, uh, just your favorite vacation that you did? What would you recommend to folks to do that's attainable? My favorite vacation of all time was Rome. Mm. I decided to go. And I would say to single women out there, don't be afraid to go by yourself. Okay. Be safe, but yeah. but really think it through and, and figure out where you want to go and go. Um, and do your homework. You can find some really good deals. Um, and I, I found a great hotel. It wasn't in the major area where a lot of people stay. It was in a more residential side of Rome, but uh, it was a great deal. Mm-hmm. And I actually got free Wi-Fi because... I was a single woman. And they said, you need to stay in touch with people. So you never know what deals somebody will give yep. you. There you go. So, awesome. Yeah. yeah. We, we've gone up to the mountain towns. Mm-hmm. And um, when they have different events going on, mm-hmm. like art festivals or uh, the one we love going to is the snow sculptures oh, yeah. in the wintertime. And then even we'll bring up our own uh, inner tubes. Mm-hmm. And then we'll find one of the city hills and we'll go tubing down the, the hills for a little while instead of going one of the major you know ski resorts and, and paying to go tubing on their hills. We just find our own. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There have been many mm-hmm. uh, for me that I've really enjoyed, but I think a special trip that I took with my daughter mm. to take her to Hawaii, mm-hmm. and that was that was really, really fun. And you made it happen. Yep, it was great. Yeah, I would say ton for me, too. And I'll go on Christine's theme of going big. I went to Europe. I did a family reunion in Norway, which I stayed with some family, so that made that attainable, and they just told me what to do, which was awesome. So I felt like I got a real experience of, like, real Norwegians instead of super touristy. But then from there, I met up with a friend, and we did England, Scotland, and Wales, and we did a 
full-on bus trip that was wildly discounted. It was like an Agatha Christie novel, except, praise God, no one got murdered. But (laughs) someone could have. It was that kind of bus trip. It was very fascinating. And a few days in London, I met Boundless fans there. Hey, Boundless fans from London and beyond. And it was just a great experience and getting to know folks there. And, uh, yeah, just kind of taking in what I could and being cheap about it. We had, um, I know I just mentioned the, the mountain towns, but, you know, if we're all talking about going across the pond, we had one where Marty's been a, my wife has been a pen pal with a gal for many years. Oh, wow. And this gal, um, they met at Disney, of course, where, you know, we <laughs> quite go often, but um, they've been a pen pal for years and she came to our wedding when we got married. She flew to the States and came to our wedding and we mentioned to her, you know, when the time comes for you to get married, let us know. We'd love to come travel over there. So just like you were saying, Lisa, the time came, she got married. We traveled to England and um, stayed, you know, close to the family. And they told us what to do while we were there for the, the wedding was amazing. And then we jumped over to Germany and we had some friends from a small group who were stationed over there in Germany. And we spent the next week staying at their house and uh, touring with them around Germany. So that was a very inexpensive trip. And that was before kids. Yeah. So just the two of us. Well, you guys, thank you so much for these fun ideas. I think that's great. It makes me want to travel. It makes Mm -hmm. me want to get out, out and about. Let's Let's do it. Here we go. (laughs) Thanks, you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Lisa. Well, we are here for this week's culture segment, and uh, you know her because we've featured her here at Boundless before, but I'm especially excited because she's actually in studio. She decided to soldier her way out to Colorado Springs from all the way out east. Um, we are welcoming today Deborah Faleda. Deborah, good to have you. Lisa, it's so good to be with you. <laughs> this is a face lot of to fun. Face. face to face, I'm telling you, it's wild. So... Um, Well, we are going to talk today um, specifically about a book that you wrote and some of the topics and themes around that. Uh, The book is titled Love in Every Season, which is funny because when I first got a copy of the book, I was like, oh, okay, well, this is like chronological. So, you know, clearly I'm past spring because that's probably just about 20 somethings, (laughs) you know, or whatever. Yeah, thinking it was like all about, you know, different ages and stages and stuff like that. And it's not, it's more about like the way a relationship plays out. And you uh, talk, um, for those of you um, that haven't heard uh, Deborah on the show before, you can go back and and search uh, past episodes and whatnot. But she's the founder of True Love Dates, and we'll have links uh, to all of this as well. 
Um, you've got the website where you um, blog. You answer a lot of relationship questions. You've got a podcast. Give us the name of the podcast. It's called Love and Relationships. Woo, woo, woo. Okay. And it's not just for single people, though I do appreciate that you give single people an ear yes. <laughs> on it. So Because a lot of times relationship shows are all about like, you married people, let's just tell you how to do life because praise God, you finally found someone. And so, um, but you're helping people kind of get there. Yeah, I think I would say it's a majority of um, single listeners who call in with relationship questions and then we kind of talk through them. That's cool. Um, well, you're the author of several books, including the one we're going to talk about today. Also, True Love Dates, uh, Choosing Marriage, and then um, another book that we're actually going to talk about as well. So stay tuned. Uh, that's going to come up on a future show. Um, that said, you uh, are very passionate about people being healthy on the front end of a relationship and building relational health themselves, because the ideal is moving towards marriage with two healthy people instead of like, hey, I'm not so healthy, but you're going to patch me together or you're going to make up for all these deficits that I'm unwilling right. to work on and stuff. Um, but I want to jump in. I think this is a we're going to touch on some of that as we we chat here. I want to jump right into this conversation about love in every season, um, because first of all, let's just set the stage. I said kind of seasonally what this isn't about. Um, you talk about four seasons in every romantic relationship or, or the seasons that a relationship goes through. So let's just walk through the quick overview of yeah. them. Well, just as in nature, we see the four seasons play out, relationships go through the same type of season. So in the season of spring, it's the season of attraction. Things are blossoming and blooming. There might be affection starting to build in the relationship. It's also the season of growth where things are starting to grow. You're trying, you're starting to assess the level of um, attraction you have in the relationship. And then we kind of move on to summer. Summer is the season when things get hot. You start shedding your layers and revealing a little bit more of who you are in the season of summer. I think it's also a season of intimacy. You're starting to really connect with that person emotionally and spiritually. Then we move on to the season of fall. Fall is when your true colors start to shine through and you realize you're two different people with different personalities, different interests, different family of origin, and you face some conflict. And you've got to learn how to navigate that conflict. Fall kind of reveals to you, can we navigate conflict or not? And then we move into the season of winter when the emotions of spring start to cool down. If, if in spring you saw things through a rose-colored lens, now in winter you kind of see them for what they are. And you can take inventory and assessment of the relationship without all of that emotional intensity. Hmm. And so we go through these different seasons. And the, the important thing about these seasons is they reveal what you need to know about that relationship. They, the things that you learn and how you navigate these seasons will either make or break the relationship. And each season gives you an opportunity to decide, okay, we should move forward or maybe we need to take a few steps back. Cool. Okay, so everyone listening, bookmark what she said there about kind of brief definitions of each of the seasons, because I actually want to back it up and start tackling some of them individually. So let's talk about spring. Um, I like what you say in spring at the very get go of the book, where you're talking about how foundationally, this is a good time to really get spiritually where you need to be and to understand the spiritual underpinnings of a good relationship. Now, 
Talk to us, Deborah. Just explain why that is foundationally so important, because I think a lot of people like to compartmentalize, like, well, I do my thing with Jesus, but then I'm in a romantic relationship. How are they intertwined? Well, if you think about it, in the season of spring, what you plant is what will blossom. What you plant is what will grow later on. What you sow is what you will harvest in a later season. So when we talk about spring, as much as we're talking about attraction and and affection and, you know, all of that stuff, you also want to make sure that you're planting the right seeds. So when we talk about what seeds do you plant in the relationship during the season, it's the seeds of faith and the seeds of friendship. Those are two really important components in a relationship. And if you don't plant those seeds in spring, you're going to see completely different fruit later on in the relationship. So a lot of people compartmentalize it. A lot of people think, you know, it's not that important or they know it's important. But if they're not seeing faith played out in the relationship, they're quick to make excuses as to why. But faith has to be foundational if you want to see healthy fruit later on in the relationship. Yeah, that's good. Okay, now you also alluded to friendship, which is also an important aspect of spring as well. And I know you even detail, you know, some anecdotes about you and your husband John's relationship and really how important friendship was. What's a good way to establish friendship while in a dating relationship? I mean, maybe some of it happens beforehand as you're kind of checking a person out. But how it it seems like so many people, once they finally realize that someone's into them, they're just like, OK, now here we go. Right. <laughs> and they don't understand. It's like they lose the aspect of let me get to know this person because all of a sudden they're just like uh, getting into summer a little too fast. Yeah. And not yeah. only that, but with online dating these days, you you know that you're already there to date. So you have a tendency to want to skip over the friendship stage. But what I tell people is how to stay in the friendship stage is by surrounding yourself with boundaries. Even if I know that I'm interested in you and you know you're interested in me, we can still remain in the friendship stage when we set boundaries around our conversation, boundaries around our time that we spend together, boundaries around our physical touch, boundaries around the kind of words we um, exchange. When you set boundaries around your life, that's how you begin to, to build a friendship. And, and you know, obviously we can't give cookie cutter answers, but when people ask me, well, what's a good time frame for the friendship stage? Or what's a good time frame for the season of spring? <laughs> I always say, well, every relationship is different, but if, we're, if I'm going to have to give you a time frame, let's look at nature. Seasons progress in about three months. You know, and you can learn a lot about a person in the friendship stage in three months. You can learn a lot about the spring season of a relationship in three months. And all of the seasons together add up to a year. Mm -hmm. You can learn a lot about a person in a year. And in fact, you probably shouldn't move forward if you haven't had at least a year of getting to know that person under your belt. Hmm. Okay. All right, let's briefly talk about summer here, because I feel like summer is one of those seasons that tries to encroach um, before it's time. Yeah. And you also do a great job in the book of telling your own um, struggle with some of this in your relationship with John and realizing, I think we're all like super, especially Christians, we tend to be super assumptive of like, no, it's cool. I've got good boundaries. Right. I'm good. Jesus and I are tight. We're going to be, we're not going to fall into any of these traps. But you said it was a struggle. It is a struggle. I, I think I think we would be lying to say it's not a struggle. When we look at the season of summer, 
it is the season when things get hot. Things heat up emotionally. Things heat up spiritually. And because of that, things also heat up physically. You know, the more intimacy you have, the more connected you feel to somebody, the more that there's a temptation to let the physical relationship kind of lead the way. And unfortunately, that's what happens for a lot of dating couples. They get stuck in the season of summer. When you're fixated on the physical, you can't actually move forward into the other seasons. You know, everything you do kind of revolves around physical connection and it actually stunts your relationship from growing. And so for us, we really had to set those boundaries. I mean, I talk about in the book, uh, there was a time when we were in the apartment hanging out and I, I, we really just wanted to be free, you know, not have physical boundaries. And I remember John saying, it's probably time for us to go somewhere. Like, I don't think we should just be hanging out in this apartment watching football because this isn't going to lead to anything good. And you can have the best intentions. You can love Jesus. You can have the best heart, but put yourself in a tempting situation and your physical desire will trump your spiritual desire every time. That's why you've got to put yourself in the right places and set those boundaries around your life until your heart catches up. You know, like it's yeah. not, it's not always just easy to put yourself in the place of temptation yeah. and then call upon the name of Jesus. We've got to flee <laughs> from it. You yeah. know, we got to run from it. Well, that's why I always tell girls here at Boundless, I say, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a purity ring on every finger, if you're sitting in the basement in the dark under a blanket watching a movie, right? you know, those, those purity rings are not going to do you a lot of good at that point. So that's a good point. Um, okay. So a little caveat about online dating, and I'd like you to address this because a lot of people will say, oh, okay, well, at least initially we're just online. We're just talking, but you mentioned that emotional connection. And I've seen that happen so often, especially with women who go too deep too soon and all of a sudden, like they feel they've so gotten to know this guy, meanwhile, shutting out all their friends and the other people in their life, that when it comes time to meeting this guy or other people meeting him, then maybe there are some red flags. But at this point, they're so invested that they're like, oh, no, it's cool. You don't know him like I do. All these excuses start cropping up. And that's almost like a false intimacy, too, I would think. Oh, totally. We we have a tendency to want to jump into the deep end of a relationship before we've actually had time in the shallow end, mm -hmm. before we actually know who this person is and what we're getting into. You can't say that you know a person in just a short period of time. Like, you know the superficial person, but you don't really know them. That's what time is for. And that's why it's important to make time for these seasons to happen, because time reveals a lot. But if you don't allow time to help you reveal these seasons and what you've got in the relationship, you're going to make assumptions and assume that you have something healthy when really you might not. And so I think a lot of times in church, we talk about physical boundaries and we kind of put those top on the list, but it's important for us to also assess our emotional boundaries as well as our spiritual boundaries when we're getting to know somebody. Yeah. Kind of a, a side note on a topic here that I'd like to get your take on, because we were just talking about this here at, at work a few days ago, and that is the fact that more and more single Christian adults are not just having sex and living together, but are honestly like okay with it. Like I just saw recently the statistics of how many, you know, it's kind of like the younger you go, the millennials and the Gen Zers are kind of like, well... As long as you feel committed to the person, as long as you're really in love, as long as you're planning to marry, as long as so they start giving all these qualifiers for it. But really, they're saying, eh, you know, in the end, 
I, I think we're going to be okay with it. This is the way the culture is going, whatever. Why do you think, Deborah, from what you're hearing from people, why the why the shift? It seems like even 10 years ago, young adults were like, I know it's wrong, but I just can't help myself. But now there's this big justification of everything mm-hmm. moving forward. I think part of the problem is we've known that it's wrong, quote unquote, but not knowing why it's wrong. And when you just hold on to the belief that it's wrong without ever questioning why, why am I doing this? Eventually, that desire to do what's right versus what's wrong goes away and you just want to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I think for us to get to a better place, we've got to back up the conversation and say, why am I doing this? Why has God called me to this? Why is this something we talk about in the church? It's because, like I said before, with the physical temptation, something can happen and that's you getting stuck in the season of summer. My favorite analogy about um, physical and sexual intimacy is the steam pipe analogy. You know, when when you're making a steam pipe, they they re- they put a lot of pressure through that steam pipe. You know, all that steam kind of builds up pressure. But if the pipe is broken, what ends up happening is steam ends up making its way into the cracks. So you can see where the pipe is broken because of that pressure that's building up, and that's kind of like what we will equate to sexual tension in a relationship. The pressure is building and sex prematurely releases that pressure. It's meant to release the pressure in a healthy way in marriage because you need it to sometimes, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But when you are having sex in a relationship, you're releasing that pressure prematurely. You never get to see the cracks. You never get to see what's broken and needs fixing. And you go into marriage with this pipe that has all of these cracks in it that you never knew existed. Maybe if you did know, you could have fixed them. Maybe you would have even realized that some of them were unfixable. Mm. And so we're setting ourselves up for unhealthy relationships by releasing that pressure prematurely. We're getting stuck in the season of summer instead of allowing ourselves to move into fall where we learn so much more about the health of the relationship and then move into winter. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into fall and talk about cracks (laughs) because a lot of this is where this is going to crop up. And I think it is so interesting. I mean, I think we can all agree here. I talk about it here at Boundless all the time of just how we are almost to a person complete messes at conflict. Like, I don't know if it's just generational. We were never taught how to do this appropriately. I mean, I am still digging out of what I would say the last five or six years even of patterns of passivity in my family, which turned into passive aggressive behavior, which never really cropped up until all of a sudden my siblings are in my business. And I'm like, um, Now I'm not okay with that. It's just weird how we we think we're all good at this communication and conflict and stuff until we realize that we're not. And so um, how I guess my my first question in this is because, again, like you're saying, married people, it's like if you want a covenant and you want to dig in and commit to this, you're going to have to you're going to have to make this work. You're going to have to, you know, whether you're just doing the hard work or you're going to get some some couples counseling or whatever. But dating people can run. So how, Deborah, what's a good way to go after conflict skills and to address concerns when one or both parties could just say, eh, tapping out, I'm done? What you see in a dating relationship, you're going to see magnified in marriage. And so that's why it's really important for us to go through the season of fall with a partner. 
um, to, to see how they handle conflict, to see how they handle communication, how they express their needs, how they communicate their emotions. Because when you're not, when you're not taking inventory of how you feel and being able to express that in a healthy way, you are going to have conflict. You're going to have so many issues that come up in the relationship. And so the season of fall is really important because it shows you a person's true colors. Um, It's almost like a test drive before you get into marriage. Yeah, that's good. And what would you say? I mean, because you're, um, you know, folks will see this in your bio, but I want to mention it as well, that um, you actually are a licensed professional counselor. And so you deal with people's very individual stories and having to realize like some people are bringing, all of us are bringing a fair amount of brokenness into a relationship. Um, Some, you know, more along the journey or, or whatever than others. But what would you say then as far as I, I actually like, and in fact, I, I would love for you to share this story that you talk about in the book um, about interviewing Dr. Les Parrott and something that he said that I think sets the stage for why going after that deepening relationship is good, but conflict is going to be part of that. Yeah, conflict sets the stage for deeper intimacy. Hmm. I think Dr. Parrott said it's the invitation for deeper intimacy. You've got to go through conflict to go to deeper intimacy. But so many of us, especially as believers, I think we're afraid of conflict. I think sometimes as Christians, we mistake passivity for selflessness. We think we're being selfless, but really we're actually being passive and kind of holding on to what we feel and what we need and until all of a sudden things kind of blow up in our face. So learning how to navigate conflict in a healthy way is something that you can start doing as a single. It's something you can start doing in a relationship. You don't wait to marriage to start developing these skills. Mm -hmm. You need them before marriage. You need them in life. And so learning how to navigate conflict and not being afraid of it, learning to face it, learning to, to learn from it. Like, okay, why am I feeling so bent out of shape when this person said that? Mm-hmm. And why am I responding so defensively? Why did that offend me so much? I mean, learning to question how you do conflict and to start training yourself to do conflict in a healthy way is going to benefit you, not just in your future marriage, but today. And Not only that, Lisa, but seeing those qualities in somebody else. Like, are you dating somebody who tends to just stay quiet about how they feel and what they need? Mm -hmm. They just say yes to everything. They never have an opinion or maybe the opposite. They're, they're aggressive. It's my way or the highway. You, you end up having a conflict and then you both walk away feeling upset and then you pretend it never happened. Like these are the type of things that really reveal to you the health of the relationship and that stuff's not going to go away. Yeah. Good point. All right. So in the last couple minutes we have here, let's touch on winter. Winter is something that every starry-eyed person in a relationship doesn't think is going to touch their their relationship because they're going to do it so well that they're going to be in a perpetual Hallmark movie or it's going to be some big sex fest or something like that. So, But you're saying, shockingly, that that's not true, that every relationship has its just uh, day-to-day life the stuff going on. It's just what it is. Give us a little picture of what that is and why that's actually okay. Yeah, winter is kind of the season when things start to cool off in a relationship. You know, spring is the season when everything's so exciting. Well, the truth is in winter, those emotions kind of settle. Um, And in some relationships, they might even find that they're fizzling out. Now, 
in a dating relationship, I think you need to be careful of emotions fizzling out altogether Mm -hmm. because usually that's a sign that there's something going on in one of the other seasons that you haven't really addressed, you know? Um, So in a dating relationship, what you're looking for in winter is the idea that your emotions have cooled off to a healthy degree. You, you're not infatuated anymore. You're not seeing everything through a rose-colored lens. In winter, you should be able to identify that person's strengths and weaknesses, you know, hmm. the areas they need growth. If I ask you about your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're like, oh, they're perfect, they're amazing, there's probably some time that needs to pass. <laughs> you know, you probably haven't learned everything there is to know. Except for the person who dates me, but that's right, I'm, right. I am an exception. Except for that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in the season of winter... Um, it really reveals a lot to you. Some some couples find that their relationship is completely frozen at this point. They they started off good, but then all of these things crept up in summer and then realizing things weren't as good as they needed to be in fall and there's too much conflict and things were not getting over these hurdles. For some people, the season of winter tells you it is time to part ways. Mm-hmm. For other people, the season of winter shows you the normalcy of the relationship. Your feelings have died down, but you still see the amazing qualities this person has. You start combining your lives, your worlds. You're starting to live the monotony of every day, what the relationship looks like. It's not stars and fireworks every day. You're starting to get a real life glimpse of what the future looks like. Mm -hmm. So I think winter is a necessary season because it kind of sets up the stage for what's next. Yeah. Well, obviously, there is so much more here, and this is why um, you have to check out the book. So, in fact, um, we want to make this book available to you, the listener, um, for a gift of any amount to Boundless. So you just go to Boundless.org. You're going to see the book there, the cover. Just click on it. Um, If you need to search, you can search for 697. That's this episode. Um, But you're going to see Love in Every Season, Understanding the Four Stages of Every Healthy Relationship. Just click on it. Whatever you can afford, a gift to Boundless, which you know you already love and want to support, and we're going to send you this book as our thank you to you. And you're going to get more practical tips. You're going to get a better understanding of what these seasons are, how you can be on the lookout for them in your relationship, um, and really get some great insight there. And meanwhile, as we said on the front end, get to doing the hard work on yourself, even if you're not dating right now. I mean, that is only going to help you for a future relationship, okay? And quite frankly, get a future relationship that's even healthy. So go after it. Deborah. thank you so much for being part of this conversation. And uh, we hope to see you around again soon. Thanks for having me, Lisa.
as we finish out the show, we always like to open up our inbox, and this is where we answer one of your questions, and we bring in an expert to address it. And so today is no exception. We have got HR specialist Marshonda Dixon here. Hey, Marshonda. Hey. Great to have you. Um, okay, well, we have this is a really interesting question, and I already told her before we started taping that I'm like, girl, this is just you, because I don't even know what the, what they're talking about here. So, But this is a good question. We talk about career a lot here, and so I will read it and let you go for it. Our listener says, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels at my current job and have a deep longing to serve God at a specific Christian nonprofit. There's a strong possibility that this dream of mine may come to reality this fall. However, I'm ruled by a work visa in the United States. Choosing to serve in this nonprofit means I'd have to lose my secure work status, attempt to change my visa to a volunteer visa, and hope that I find grace in front of the embassy officer. While I see Jesus' call for people to leave everything to follow him, I know some believers who've been negatively affected in terms of visas in the past and that mission boards are extremely cautious when it comes to legal paperwork in other countries. Would it be presumptuous to attempt to go with the risks involved, or should I trust God will take care of everything? I think this is so interesting, Marshanda, because it really applies even beyond work visas. This is just like a trusting God to take that step into a risky potential position. And so there's application for everyone here, but go ahead. Absolutely. I think that's a really, it's a great question. And I think it's really easy for us to want to act first. So I want to encourage the listener to seek God's direction and counsel in the matter. Um, You know, the Lord, tell the Lord specifically what it is that you want and be willing to listen to his timing and his direction about it. You know, God can work out anything. You mentioned the visa. That sounds like a complicated situation. But we have to be in the right place spiritually, emotionally, and physically sometimes in order to receive what he has for us. So I think it's interesting that uh, the listener asks if it would be presumptuous to attempt to go with the risks involved or should they trust God will take care of everything. I think the answer that you're seeking is inherent in the question here. You see, when we took up our Christian walk, we acknowledged that Christ is the leader in our life when we submitted to his headship. So the real question here is, do you follow God's leadership in regards to the opportunity, or do you wait until he gives you a clear answer? So when God answers us, there is a sense of peace and calm about what steps to take next, Then that's what I think you should be looking for. So talk to God, tell him what it is that you're that you're wanting to have happen in your life, ask his direction, and then wait for that, that confirmation and that peace that comes over you that kind of gives you the direction that you want to uh, move in. God never leaves, leaves us to guess what it is that he wants from us. Um, we just want to make sure that we're in the right place to follow the opportunity when it presents itself. The other thing I wanted to say is that this may require some patience on the part of the questioner. Um, It may require some perseverance on their part. Um, You may have to wait. You may have to redirect, but you must keep faith that God hears you and that he wants what's best for you. And so I really want to encourage the listener to really just be mindful of listening to God's direction and being willing to wait and to allow him to make your path clear. I think that's the best advice that I can give you. Now, in the meantime, I also want to encourage that you look at your current situation, you, you mentioned spinning your wheels in your current role, maybe take a different perspective. Maybe there's something that you can perfect in your current role that's going to help you later on down the line. Um, it may be a certain skill that you're learning in your current job that will help you to work in that nonprofit down the line. So 
it's it's a combination of prayer, meditation, and being ready and willing to take advantage of the opportunity when it presents itself. It's been said that luck is really about the preparation and the opportunity coming together, that juncture where it all comes together. Of course, we as Christians know that there is no luck, that that's God guiding our lives. And I I would just encourage you to, to just keep going on your on your path, um, focus on being prepared for God's blessing in your life, whatever that looks like, and try to see your current situation as a season of preparation for what God has for you next. Yeah, that's good. Good, uh, wise words. And I just think, too, of how um, in this situation, it's very much too often we can get into a position of saying, well, God will only want me to do this, and he definitely doesn't want me to do this, when really God often holds an open hand and is like, there are a number of things that you can do. If you stay in your current role, that's probably great. You may be able to go to this nonprofit and do that. That's a great opportunity too, but not to feel like God will pull the rug out from under you if you make the quote wrong choice. You know, I think there's a lot of freedom in that and he loves you obviously as his child. And so to be confident in in that is great. So Marshanta, thank you so much for weighing in on this. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, folks. Well, as always, we do love to hear from you. So write to us at editor at boundless.org if you have a question for us to answer in the future. And meanwhile, if you would pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, we always love it when people leave reviews because that's how other people find the show and can benefit from the show as you have. And so uh, just over at Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review right there. We would super appreciate it. All right. Well, that is it for this week's show. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.